Welcome to the Stay Informed podcast. I'm your host, uh, Tom Oshowitz. My co-host, Jessica, is sitting this one out because I am joined by a special guest, Trevor Costanzi from Informed Security Team. Uh, Trevor, introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not wearing my hoodie today that usually tells people that I'm a hacker, but uh, I'm a lead engineer for the Informed Security Team. I have uh, about 10 years or so of experience in IT, about six specializing uh, primarily in security engineering. Uh, really excited to be here today. Well, Trevor, it's absolutely so great to have you. And today we're discussing, I think, a pretty hot topic, which is risk and security in the context of new technology like generative AI. But before we go into the subject, so we have a special thing called the lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions and you can say whatever comes to mind. So are you ready? Born ready, Tom. Okay, let's go. We'll start with a simple one. Coffee or tea? Tea. Okay. Now that you're warmed up, what would you say is your best soft skill? Uh, I'm a very good read of people. I understand what people are looking for, especially different types of people. Uh, you know, you talk to different groups of people, CEOs or engineers. Uh, I know what they're looking for in the context when they ask questions. Well, I, that's both exciting and terrifying, Trevor. So uh, maybe offline, you can tell me what you're reading me, but uh, we'll stick to the script here. Um, last book you read for business or pleasure? For business and pleasure, Hacking APIs. I, I'm speechless actually with that answer. Um, how do you use AI in your own life or work if you prefer? I really like to use AI coding assistance uh, to speed up my daily engineering work. Uh, I find it to be really useful in cutting down a lot of what we call boilerplate as engineers, when you write a lot of the same code over and over again, uh, and also helping me solve kind of more simple problems that I understand, but don't necessarily want to put too much thought into. Cool. And um, this is a hard one, but what do you think has been or will be the most important fintech or tech innovation? You know, that's a great question, but I, I think the use of AI to detect fraud uh, is, is going to, and already is, but it's going to be uh, a huge leap into dealing with global fraudsters in the financial industries. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've heard people like um, Andrew Ng talk about how uh, AI is a new electricity and it's just gonna power things in a way that are as transformative as when we got electricity back in the early 20th or late 19th century. And the last one, and I feel almost unfair asking you this question, given relative to me how young you are, but what advice would you give to your younger self? Ooh, for young Trev, I don't know. Uh, you know, you, you almost don't want to, you know, if you give yourself advice, you might have the butterfly effect. And, you know, I've had a pretty good life. I've gotten myself here. And if I gave myself some advice, I feel like I might poison that well, and I wouldn't want that. Well, there you go, the conservative approach of security people. Um, so, hey, I think we're all ready to the serious part of our show. And we're going to start talking here again about this intersection between security and uh, generative AI. And so uh, I'll just ask for the first sort of table setting question. Are there security risks with using generative AI? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the big ones, especially uh, on the onset of generative AI, when uh, OpenAI released ChatGPT, for example, uh, tons of people were rushing to just kind of experiment with it. Um, and by doing so, they were often pasting into ChatGPT or whatever tool they were using at the time, you know, their company intellectual property, 
personally identifiable information, uh, a whole host of things, uh, even personal health information that was going into these tools uh, as people were experimenting with use cases. Um, well, <laughs> those AIs learn off of your input, um, especially in the early days of ChatGPT, you know, it was learning off of what you put in there. And anything you put in there, um, with, especially in the context of large language models, somebody can get out of there. Um, so huge risk of both IP and, uh, you know, uh, data leakage, um, you know, misunderstanding or misusing the tool can be really risky. Um, you know, you might just ask it to do some simple things, but it can provide you biased results if you're not careful. Um, and a lot of, especially engineers when they're writing code with generative AI, um, more, more specifically for junior engineers, they don't necessarily know when it's wrong. Um, you know, AI can be wrong. Uh, it can hallucinate, uh, can make things up. Um, you can ask the same question twice and it can give you two different answers. Um, so if you're not careful, it will give you a potentially wrong piece of code that, you know, leaves you vulnerable to a number of different types of attacks. And this actually is really interesting. This um, sort of brings me to a, um, a question which you just raised, where it's kind of hinted here, which is how does the threat matrix change for companies like Informed or our clients in the last six months. I'm going to start with a hypothesis and I wanted you to sort of respond to it. If you go back to the early 2000s, when people talked about security, they talked about data security. There was concern with the California law passed in 2003, the first data breach notification law, that if you lost an SSN, if you lost a name, you know, account information, uh, that was where the harm was. And with generative AI, it seems to me it's more than just about data. It's also about how data is put together. Um, you know, how you can now create threats for people based on combinations of information. For example, synthetic identity seems to be a much bigger threat. If you have somebody who can look, you can have a synthetic video, you can have synthetic conversation. Maybe you could talk about, is there a change from data to clusters of data or how would you describe the threat matrix? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. You know, over time, especially with uh, the onset of generative AI, both for text and video and photos, um, you know, when you're talking about, uh, you know, things like synthetic identity fraud, um, I mean, you can basically punch a bunch of data into, you know, a, a generative model and it can shoot out things like fake driver's license images or, you know, videos of people or voices of people and, you know, you can use synthetic voices to call people for phishing. And so you can call a bank uh, with a voice that's not real, but maybe sounds like somebody who is real. Um, you can do all sorts of crazy automated things. I think it's really early to tell how far that will go. Um, you know, we are seeing, at least on the individual level, a lot of, you know, voice phishing attacks using, you know, parents, uh, you know, children's voices to parents to try to, uh, you know, get ransom money for something that's not even happened. Yeah, so it, it's really potentially scary, um, but, you know, AI can be used by one side. It can also be used by the other. Uh, you know, so I've heard, Trevor, that uh, one of the challenges with being in the security position is that you can have 100 attacks on your security, and if 90 of them are fail, but tend to succeed, then the bad guys win. So it seems like it's a very tough spot to be in the defense here. And I've heard it argued also that for some of the new types of threats, the only way you can defend against an AI threat is to use AI defenses. Um, I'm just curious if you have any response to that or 
Well, you know, like they say in Star Wars, only Sith deal in absolutes. Uh, I would say you can definitely defend against AI attacks without AI, but why would you choose not to use it? Um, there's all sorts of different ways. You know, if AI is doing, you're using AI to generate, you know, denial of service attacks, your existing denial of service defenses will likely work for the most part. Um, but just adding AI onto that to detect other, you know, risks is always a good thing. You know, one of the things that our listeners might be very interested in is sort of what's on the cutting edge of what we're seeing in terms of threats. Maybe you could describe some of the more sophisticated threats that you're seeing these days. Um, you know, with the world the way it is right now, it's a bit of a scary place, you know, scarier than usual for us security engineers. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I think some of the more sophisticated threats, they're just evolutions of existing threats. For a long time, we've seen social engineering be the primary entry point into breaching an organization. Well, now you can social engineer with a realistic voice of somebody you want to impersonate, a realistic image of somebody you want to impersonate, rather than just calling and pretending to be somebody with a completely different voice, which is what, you know, hackers of all types have been doing for, you know, decades at this point. You're saying that there's a correlation between impersonators who have been, or people who are, who can fake voices and hackers. That's interesting. Um, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think you're still going to see the same threat just evolved. You know, social engineering is going to be, I want to say cataclysmically worse because, you know, security engineers are, you know, very conservative with risks, but um, it's definitely going to be worse. I think it definitely already is becoming a problem. Um, and, you know, once you're in an organization, you know, usually it's too late for that organization at that point. So uh, instead of advising your younger self, maybe you can advise, um, you know, security folks that are clients or other folks who are just getting started. I mean, how do you personally keep up to speed or what would you recommend people do to keep up to speed on new threats? Well, uh, for other security engineers, you know, uh, definitely go online and find your local security meetups. Uh, I host a meetup here in the Phoenix area called East Valley Security. Um, I also attend our local chapter of 2600, which is a hacker meetup uh, called Phoenix 2600. Um, so I'm going to these events. I'm watching presentations all the time. I'm giving presentations myself a lot. Um, for maybe people outside the tech space, um, there's a lot of great uh, podcasts or, or people you can follow. Brian Krebs has always been a really interesting uh, person to read about, you know, ongoing security threats. Um, dark web diaries are always interesting to learn about how kind of large scale, you know, breaches occur. Uh, stuff like that. Just try to, you know, keep yourself reading regularly uh, because the space is evolving so fast. You kind of have to stay on top of things. These have been great answers. I just have one more question for you. Um, sort of a takeaway nugget for our listeners. Um, if you could suggest one security practice companies could do to make them more secure, what would it be? Whew, if it's just one, um, you know. I'll give you two if you want, if you need okay. to. If I, if I can get two. Uh, the first one's always going to be multi-factor authentication. I think that's, you know, always kind of the critical component to ensuring, you know, 
you know, even if you're fished, if you have MFA in place a lot of the time, most of the time, not all of the time, uh, you'll at least be able to stop and detect the breach before it happens. Um, and just general identity and access management, um, really making sure that your employees only have the access they need uh, is, is important. And you can, you know, modern identity practices have the ability to do things like just-in-time access. Uh, where even if I'm an administrator of a system, I don't always need to be an administrator. I can become an administrator only for the brief time that I need it. That way, you know, if for some reason my credentials are stolen, I'm not, you know, permanently an administrator of this system and that person can always, you know, access that system with my credentials. Yeah, that was fantastic. And for those who um, uh, want to learn more, if you could just mention one more time, uh, Trevor, the book that you read recently that you thought was great for business or pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're interested in, in securing uh, you know, modern security, I think Hacking APIs by uh, Corey Ball uh, is a, a really interesting way to learn you know, the offensive approach to APIs, which can also help you if you're you know, developing APIs, you know, know how to defend them better. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. And uh, uh, this is Tom Oshowitz from Stay Informed. Stay tuned. Um, and I just want to thank you all for listening and stay informed.